Oh, gentlemen, I think uh, we have several guys here probably uh, very tired from last night. Um, what a great night, though. Um, and our apologies to the ladies and Mrs. Brown. We are discovering the dynamics of uh, being in the kitchen while something's going on. And so we should have just uh, been really shut up and just eaten our food. That's all we needed to do. But, uh, but uh, we found out that uh, it gets a little loud uh, out there. So we apologize for that. But we had a great time. The guys, that, what, a, what a blessing to get to serve. And, uh, um, and a happy Mother's Day to our mothers here um, and uh, anybody who's expecting to be or what so happy Mother's Day it's a uh, uh, it's a great day to just recognize those who've uh, who've given to us and so that's why last night we took a, an opportunity to serve the ladies and try to be a blessing um, and it was and we get a blessing out of it by by doing it so it was a lot of fun so in our real church series we're um, we're going to talk today about real discipleship real discipleship um, a discipleship of a followership of the Lord. Um, we're we're going to get in our text verse. It's going to be in Luke 14. So if you open your Bibles to Luke 14, uh, a familiar passage here um, where uh, uh, Jesus is talking in Luke 14, 26. Uh, we're going to go through 26 through 33. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children. Now, talking about hating your mother on Mother's Day. Come on. What an, yeah, not, not, not necessarily, but we'll get into that. We, and pastors preached on this before. But we'll talk a little bit about this. Uh, hate not his father, his mother, his wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters. Yea, and his own life. So everybody around you, including yourself, he cannot be my disciple. And we'll get into, obviously, what he is saying there. And whosoever doth not bear his cross to come after me cannot be my disciple. So a lot of times we preach on those two verses. Um, but it goes on. It goes on because there's a bookend at the end of this. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage, an ambassador, to desireth conditions of peace. So here's the bookend. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be by disciples. So, in studying this, um, pretty straightforward, I was thinking, and then I, it just kept striking me. And I'm, I, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to follow the notes, but I'm going to—we might hit some rabbit trails. Might hit some rabbit trails on this because there's some good stuff right in the middle there. That um, that that on the surface, I go, why is that there? He just went from following Jesus to a budgeting class, right? I mean, we use that verse for budgeting all the time. Uh, the one about uh, who, who counteth the cost. So, but we'll get into that. I, I think it, it does apply. Obviously, it does apply. He said it. He know it does apply. I just got to figure out how, how that applies. So, real discipleship. Disciple making is the core ministry of the local church. Uh, we want folks to come and we want folks to be saved. But we want people to grow in Christ. Uh, it's about going, leaving out of here better than we were when we came in closer to God and wanting to follow God in all that we do. 
And so we want to be disciples of Christ, not just uh, a believer, not just uh, I know I, I know God. You know, I met God on the road. I, you know, this, an experience with God. It's, it's, I am following. I am, my life has changed following God. So uh, we want to, this, we're going to be talking about discipleship. So um, Jesus, when he was in his ministry, you know, what would it be like if Jesus was in today's, if, in today's environment in the ministry? Would he be, would he be looking to see how many people are following him on Facebook or, or Twitter or, or whatever the new, you know, any? Uh, no. Because he, he preached to the crowds, but it wasn't about the number of people that came to his concert. <laughs> it wasn't about that. It was about the hearts he was going to reach and the souls that he was going to, to win to him. Isn't that awesome that he, he got to win souls to him? We get, to, we get to share the gospel and win souls to Christ, but we don't get to win souls to us. We get to win souls to him. So, so uh, he was not a crowd seeker, but the crowds sought him. And many of them had different motives. Uh, there were, we all go to God with different motives in our life. And so folks might go to God for, um, I hear these cool miracles this man is doing. I want to see him. That's, that's the typical mentality of the drive-by, what happened to that wreck? You know, slow down so you can rubberneck and see what's going on. That's that type of mentality. Or it's, it's I need something. I need, uh, I need peace in my life. And I hear of someone who is preaching peace. I, I, need, I, need, I need money. I need sustenance. I need help. And there's this one who, who feeds the 5,000 with barely nothing. Uh, so we all come to God with, with different motives, but we need to figure out once we're saved and we're here, and most of us, if not all of us, are saved here, but I'm not going to assume that all of us are. We have to make that decision about discipleship, about following Christ, about, about seeking after him. So number one, it's a love for the master. And it's very clear here in the, in the, in the beginning of this passage uh, of talking about love because he uses a comparison. And none of us I hope none of us could hate our wives and our children. Now, there's sometimes I don't like them. Not my wife. I always like her. She's awesome. She's, she puts up with me. Um, but, but, I, but my kids, I love them. I just don't like them right now. I mean, it happens. It happens. But we, lo- we love. We don't hate our children. We don't hate our moms, our dads, our brothers, our sisters, ourselves. We can be destructive to ourselves. Taking in the wrong things, you know, but we don't hate ourselves. We're always trying to, to feed ourselves, always trying to take care of ourselves, but we don't hate ourselves. So he uses a comparison here. Um, uh, if any man come to me and hate not his mother, it's a comparison. It, it's a, it, it, he's, it, so letter A, it's in comparison. He's using a, uh, and pastors preach on this, it's when you compare how much you love your wife, your family, and all, the, all around you and yourself, your love for God, that should pale in comparison to your love for God. We're not very good at it. Because God we don't see, and our family we do. We interact with our family, and 
they respond to us. Whether I interact well or bad, they respond to me. God, I have to seek it out. I have to be in prayer. I have to be in the Bible. We're going to talk about that. I have to, I have to communicate in a different way. I can still talk to God, but I have to be quiet and listen. Sometimes I don't have to be quiet to listen to my family. Sometimes I need to. <laughs> sometimes I need to shut up and just, you know, sometimes uh, if my, my girls are having a, a problem, I don't necessarily need to have the answer. I just need to be able to listen. You know, so, so, uh, so it's in comparison. He's not saying to hate your mother or your father, but he, he wants to give a comparison where, where it pales. And this is nothing new that we've not learned. The love of a disciple of Christ involves our whole heart, soul, and strength devoted to Christ. So the question is, do we have our whole heart, soul, and, uh, uh, heart, soul, and strength devoted to him? And it's incomprehension. Uh, uh, let it be incomprehension. So Why? So we need to comprehend why. Why is he, is, basically it boils down to this. He's worthy. He's worthy. Who is Jesus? He is the king of kings. He left heaven, came down to earth, uh, lived a sinless life, a perfect life, and then took our sin on for him and died on the cross, but rose again for us. So that, so we need to understand the comparison. We need to understand that, that, the, the love of God should, that should pay, the love of our family should pale in comparison to our love for God. It's hard to do. Totally understand it. But we need to strive for that. And as pastors in, in our family lives, in, a, uh, in our marital lives, as we draw closer, like pastor says, that, that, it's that triangle, uh, my wife and me, and as we shoot towards God, as we strive there, we, we grow closer. Okay, that's that relationship. Same with kids. We, we grow closer to God as we are, as we grow closer to God, we grow closer together. So uh, comparison and then comprehension of God at the top. God is worthy. I, I really don't need to say anything else. Well, how can a, how can a, a God want people to worship him? Because he's worthy. Because he's a perfect God. He deserves it. I don't deserve anything. He deserves it. So in comparison. Uh, so two, service for the master. Uh, so obviously if we have a love for um, the master, we want to serve him. Now, much like last night, we, um, we love the ladies in our church. And we want to be a blessing. Um, we get one chance out of the year to do that. <laughs> so, so, so we want to be a blessing. So so service was both for you, but it's also for us. It was a, it was a, sh a show of love uh, from the men, and it was a, we had a wonderful time. And but our service for the master, if you look back in Luke fourteen twenty seven, he says, "And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple." Now, for which of you intendeth to build a tower and sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he had laid the foundation, is not able to finish it, all that, and all that behold it uh, began to mock him, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. I really wanted to touch on that, uh, on that second part there. So he gives now a comparison. So he's talking about following Christ, and now he's going to give a comparison. And he's talking about two different things here. Uh, a lot of people might not be able to understand what a king goes through. 
but everybody understands about taking care of their own house and taking care of their own, um, their own lives. So a budgeting example is what this is. Uh, we've used it in Ramsey. We've used it in, uh, uh, in, different, teach, in different sermons and different uh, teachings about, about uh, you need to plan out things. You need to know what you have in order to know what you can do. Uh, the builder needs to... We, our, our building project is a prime example of preparation and planning, prayer, um, faith, but, but understanding that you need certain materials and you, you, need to, you need to have a plan and prepare and know that you've got what you need to finish it. Otherwise, wouldn't it have been sad had we gotten that halfway done and then we're stuck? thought our God was bigger than that. Think about the Israelites as they left Egypt. I'm sure they, when they kept going in the desert for 40 more years, there was probably a lot of nations that went, I thought their God was bigger than that. You know, he is. They, they deserve that. But, but it would have been sad had we said we we trusted God, said we'd planned, said we'd prepared for this thing, and then we got halfway through and it just sits there. Last night it wasn't sitting there. It was used. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But he's, so why did he throw that right in the middle of this be my disciple? Why did he throw that in there? Because we don't just go haphazardly into a relationship, a relationship with God. I mean, this is, this is, he means it. He, we need to look at our relationship with him as not uh, just uh, a membership in a club or anything like that. This is, this is a real relationship. He's saying it's, it, it, the relationship with him is as real as the relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your mom and with your dad. It is just as real. It should be more. Um, and so, so he uses this example for everybody to understand that you don't, you need to be prepared to to understand that we're gonna we're gonna build on this relationship. It's something that we're not gonna go haphazardly into. We would not have gone into that building project haphazardly and just gone. Well, we'll see what happens. Tear down those walls. Well, now we have nothing. So, what are we putting up? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't have any wood. <laughs> I, I didn't call a, a crane guy. You, you know, uh, we wouldn't do that. And so the same thing with our relationship with God. We need to uh, go in it um, counting the cost. Hmm, am I prepared to, to give up something for, for this relationship, for being a disciple of Christ? So that, that's the first example we have. So, so uh, letter eight, you're going to bear the cross. You're going to bear the cross. We're going we're to, I, I think it was, a, here's a quote. One author said, there's a great difference between realizing on the cross he was crucified for me and on the cross I am crucified with him. The one aspect brings us deliverance for sin's condemnation. Uh, condemnation, condemnation, and the other from sin's power. So, um, so it's, we're, we're looking at bearing the cross with Christ. 
Now, we can't do anything to earn, to earn our salvation or earn our, uh, uh, earn our way to heaven. But we as disciples need to bear the cross also. Um, how do we do that? Denial of self. Uh, Galatians 2.20. Uh, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ uh, liveth in me. And the life which I live now in the flesh is I live in the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Denial of self-will. Uh, you can write this next to Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Denial of self-will. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, I have now concentrated all my prayers into one, and that one prayer is this, that I may die to self and live holy for him. You know, a pig and a hen were walking together past a church where they saw a sign for an upcoming prayer breakfast. Eggs and ham will be served, the poster announced. Well, isn't that nice, the hen clucked happily. We get to help the church. Well, that's fine for you, the piggy replied. You'll be making a contribution, but I'll be making a sacrifice. So are, are we just the hen or are we the pig in our service for God? And then uh, uh, expectation of persecution. We talked about when you give up cost, uh, there could be persecution. There will be. In fact, in 2 Timothy, right that next to it, expectation of persecution. Yea, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That might be at the hands of your friends who you no longer have. Maybe you don't want them. persecution and then suffering expectation of suffering first uh, Peter 4 12 and 13 uh, beloved think it not strange concerning the fiery trial I think we've read this before which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you but rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering that in his glory shall be revealed ye may be glad also with exceeding joy so <clears throat> You can expect certain things. You can expect suffering and persecution. I don't think we feel it like some people do in this world. We're not, it, praise the Lord, right now we're in a country that allows us to freely gather. And there are those who want to take that away. So we need to pray about that. And we need to fight for that, fight for our ability to do that. But there are countries today where we have missionaries, but they're doing this underground. They're doing this in hiring. They're doing it at self-peril. Uh, the, the, the possibility of being prosecuted and put into prison. Is my faith strong enough to do that? I don't know. When I hear of the, when I read of the end times, pastors in, in Revelation, when I read of that, and, I, and I, uh, you hear of, of, of many will turn away. Am I going to turn away? When the, when the rubber meets the road, when, it, when, it, when it, the fire gets hot, am I going to turn away? Uh, so uh, I hope not. I hope through discipleship, I hope through my love for the Lord, my service for the Lord, uh, bearing the cross, all this, that, that I will stand tall. Not in my strength, but in his. Uh, Margaret Wilson from Galloway, Scotland, was executed as an 18-year-old girl on May 11, 1685. 18-year-old girl. Her crime? She would not declare King Charles II to be head of the church. Her death sentence was to be carried out 
by drowning. The morning of her execution, a stake was driven into the Solway and inlet of the Irish Sea while the tide was out. Margaret was tied to the stake to await the return of the tide, which would drown her. Now, many villagers loved her, even though she would not acknowledge the king as uh, head of the church. So as the tide came in, villagers watched, eager to rescue Margaret, should she be willing to recant. But as the water rose toward Margaret's chin, she sang a hymn and quoted verses from Roman, Romans 8 about the love of Christ. Just as the, as the tide would have drowned her, a soldier waded out into the water, untied her, lifted her above the waves, said, just pray for the king and take the oath that he is the head of the church, he commanded. And she said, I wish the salvation of all men and the damnation of none. And she said through a numb lips that were blue and cold. Dear Margaret, one of the bystanders pleaded, say God save the king. And God save him, if he will, for it is his salvation I desire. She responded. The soldier gave her one more opportunity to pledge her allegiance to the king as the head of the church. But she refused. I will not. I am one of Christ's children. Let me go. The soldier thrust her back into the water where she drowned. The testimony of, the Christian, of Christians such as Margaret Wilson should cause us to blush at our unwillingness to surrender fully to Christ. That's harrowing. And, uh... So, all right. So, we're given one example with the building, uh, with counting the cost and planning ahead. So again, we don't go into a relationship, a discipleship with the Lord, um, being his disciple, without, uh, without thought. I mean, uh, we'll have folks that will come in here that will get gloriously saved. But months or weeks, months or years, we might not see them again. It's because did they take the next step to, I acknowledge his love for me and that there's a God in heaven, but I'm going to solely follow him. So where are you on that scale? Now let's go into our next, uh, uh, number three, we're going to look at surrender for the master. So uh, if we go to 31, this is the second example. Or what king go, going to war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he is able uh, with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him? With 20,000. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage uh, and desireth conditions of peace. An ambassador um, desireth conditions of peace. In verse 33, uh, so likewise, whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all he hath, he cannot be my disciple. He, book, he bookends this after an example of a king. Now, we, I've just been going through 2 Kings. If anybody's been reading our uh, devotional, uh, that was given to us this year. It's a great uh, uh, lead through of, of, of uh, just um, of the Old Testament going into the New Testament. But just, oh, I'm studying the kings right now. And man, you're, you're given, a king is given uh, the reins of Israel and Judah and they squander it from selfish pride and from uh, just not trusting God, the God that got them there. And so, but in many examples, especially before we get into 1 Kings, when we're talking with the judges and different, uh, uh, and, and David and, uh, and Saul, it was very typical for a king to consult God's man, the prophet, um, 
uh, or God directly, uh, should I go to war? Should I, uh, and do, do I have what it takes? Do you, Lord, will you give us victory? That's a lot of times they ask, Lord, will you give us victory? And, uh, and he does promise victory, or he'll promise no, you're not going to, you're not going to win. So, but, but there's a consultation. There's a, there's, there's wisdom in consulting, um, not just going out on foolish pride in, in your own actions without God's help. Uh, when I, uh, I remember when I was going into the military, I, 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 uh, I was a young Christian. I was saved when I was younger, but I was young walking with the Lord. Um, and I learned to realize that I want God in this. I want God in my career. I want God in my family. Not just a Sunday morning God and then later on Wednesday night God. I, I wanted him part of this. And so these, he uses this example of the king uh, to, to kind of tie in that even a king, not everybody understood what a king goes through, but even a king needs to consult with me to see if they can win. Okay? Not uh, they, just because I gave them the power and I gave them the, the throne, they, that doesn't just give them carte blanche that, hey, you've got it. It's all on you. That, no, God still controls the mind of men, other kings and nations, and he puts kings in, he takes kings down. So, so he uses this to show this, this, is, this discipleship goes from the lowest peasant whom I love as much as the greatest king I set up on earth. They each both have to be my disciples if they love me. And so we fall in that range somewhere, every single one of us. Whether we're struggling to put food on the table or whether we, we've got plenty. Um, God, we still have to come to God the same way. He is God. We are not. And so, so we need to surrender to the master. Number three, surrender to the master. And how do we do? We surrender our position. Don't get too big, big for your britches. That's why he talked about the king here. He, no, they're not, they're not too big. They can't be too big for their britches. Um, we need to surrender our position because our position pales in comparison to what, who the Lord is. Um, if you look at Matthew 10, 24, the disciple is not above his master nor the servant above his Lord. There's an equal. Even the one serving the other, the, the, there's an equal. Uh, Jesus came to minister to not to be ministered to. But when, when, when Mary went to wash, wash his feet, she, she humbled herself because she realized that, I know you need to be served. So there was a humbling there. But we need to surrender our position no matter where we are in life, where, whether it's in our, uh, in, in our business, we think we're the big cat in town, or uh, whether in our household, we need to surrender our position. Matthew ten twenty five. It is enough for the disciple that he uh, be as his master and the servant as his lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Um, we shouldn't be expected to be treated better than others. 
And we shouldn't expect to be treated better than how he was treated. Right? So if you're a true follower, a true, true disciple of Christ, you are going to uh, uh, surrender your position. And, and finally, we need to surrender our lives. We need to surrender our lives. Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It all comes down to this. But God wants us to be his disciples. And so a disciple serves God. A disciple loves God. Serves him as his master. Tells others about him. I mean, why, you know, uh, if we have something so wonderful, why don't we share that? And that's why when we got people that come here for the first time from somebody handing out a, a tract or just, just inviting them, we've got an obligation not to just say this is a great building and these are great people and you can come sit down here, but there's a God in heaven that loves you, died on the cross, rose again, so that we, you can have eternal life. This, so all this planning that we, we talked about with building, all this, the kings of followers, there's, a, there's an end goal in this eternal life. Now, I will say, we may never, well, we'll never arrive while we're here on this earth. Okay, because so, so if we're supposed to love God more than, way more than we love anybody else, if we don't do it now, I guarantee you, we're going to do it in heaven. Because we're going to see the glory of God and we're going to go, Wow. All those good things I had, if you had them, which you do, we all have good things, that pales to what I got now. Amen. But we can, we can have a little bit of heaven on earth if we, if we love God and trust him, follow him solely. How do we do that? Get into the Bible. Get into the word of God. That's his love letter to us. That's his, that's his ability to talk to us through our sight and through our, through our ears if you mouth it loud. So if, you, if you struggle, you know, I've found sometimes that when I'm struggling or I'm getting a little sleepy, hate to say it, um, I might have to actually read it out loud. It does help because you get two, two of your sensors going. Um, so get that Bible. Get into prayer. Prayer can be one of the hardest things, I think, to do. For me, it is because it can be pushed off so easily. Oh, got my Bible reading done, boom, you press on. Uh, my wife is great at prayer. She went into a zone yesterday. She lost all track of time. It was awesome. She was, but we were supposed to be somewhere. She, <laughs> she's just chuckling. <laughs> she went, it was awesome. She went, she went into a zone when she was praying yesterday. She's probably praying about me, probably praying for my soul. I don't know. But, but, get into prayer. Be where we're supposed to be. We've had folks who've, who part of our church, and then they're not here anymore. Sometimes things happen. I'm not saying that that's necessarily going to happen when you're not where you're supposed to be. But boy, I remember as a kid, usually when I got in trouble, it's because I was somewhere I wasn't supposed to be, doing something I wasn't supposed to do, right? That's usually when I broke an arm or ripped an ear off or something like that, you know, did things like that. I wouldn't... Um, but be in the house. Let's share God's love with others uh, through our actions and through our mouth to tell people about God because we're disciples of Christ.
right? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for loving us, Lord, that you want us uh, so much, so much to follow you, serve you, and, uh, and call you our God. Lord, I just pray that, Lord, uh, you will just uh, bless our day, bless this morning. I pray that everything's been pleasing to you. Um, uh, if I did anything that did damage to your word today, Lord, I just, I'm so sorry. But I hope that uh, what we've said just will illuminate how we need to serve you and not just acknowledge you as our God, but serve you as our God, Lord. We love you. We thank you. Please be with us in the next hour. Be with those who are to come in for the first time through our doors. And I pray that, Lord, somebody will get to know you today and accept you as their Savior. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a few minutes of fellowship, and there's coffee out there. Praise the Lord.